This podcast is brought to you by the Uncut Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to the Conversation Uncut. I am your host, Abu, and tonight I'm joined by Mohammed Len to discuss the composition of the new cabinet. Finally, President Barrow has set up his new cabinet and members have been sworn in. But before that, we would take a look on the president's annual Eid meeting with the Banjul Muslim elders. This time around, a lot of important issues we raised and then a controversy. Len, how are you and welcome to the conversation on COD. How is Gambia treating you, bro? Thanks for having me once again. And I'm happy to be back too. I think I'm good. <laughs> oh no, wait, I'm not really sure. I think Nawek is making me feel bad. <laughs> it's back to 19 times again, the on and off. <laughs> That's the victim here once again. Nawek is making everyone feel bad. Endless complaints, the endless on and off. But otherwise, well, I'm, I'm managing <laughs> the usual Gambian way. Happy to be back. Happy to have you, bro. Let's get on with the show. The president's um, Eid meeting with the Banjul Muslim elders, which for me was one of his best engagements so far. His messaging was uh, issue-focused, and I believe he should really stick to communicating in the local languages when addressing local issues. I mean, that is when he would best express himself. Um, so for me... Uh, the local language uh, would would do for him really good. And I know he made some certain remarks about Mahdi Jabate, which was uh, one of the things that the media houses ran with. And that's unfo- that was unfortunate, but in general, it was a really good engagement with the Banjul Muslim elders. And among many of the things and issues addressed by the president, was the ferry service. I mean, he has made it known to the public that his government has signed an agreement with uh, some private company who was supposed to start operations. Uh, one would start to ask, should we be considering privatizing such services? What's your take on that? I am very much interested in that ferry services. Um, sometimes about this was during during Jammer's time. There was even a Facebook um, activist group, if you like, um, about people or uh, which constituted people who are concerned or interested in saying that there is an efficient ferry service in place between Bara and Banjul. Um, so it is something that has been going for so long, and I think it is high time that it is addressed. So, of course, uh, I am very much happy to see a solution that would ensure that the plight of not only Nyomingas, but people who are using the services get value for their money because you pay a ticket of $50 a you have to stand, for instance, the whole journey. We see that. Huh? Um, you buy a ticket and you bought the ticket at 7 o'clock and then you have to wait until 11 o'clock to get a ferry. 
We've seen all of those things. Sometimes you have to wait for two hours. Some, at least an hour. You have to wait for an hour. Okay, what stops the ferry management from ensuring that, well, the waiting time is not more than um, 30 minutes? I've seen this in other countries. You just come every 30 minutes, there is a ferry. And it's just like the distance is just like Bara and Banjul. But every 30 minutes, every 25 minutes, you have a ferry leaving. Okay? Um, of course, others have even have um, these... Um, um, underground or they have tunnels within the water that, uh, and you have train services so if you would have to use the ferry you use the ferry but let's say if you have to use the train or the tunnel um, you use the train that passes through a tunnel in, inside the water okay um, that happens it has happened in the other countries but if we cannot do that of course we need good um, and efficient ferry service so Barrow has talked about this like you, you've asked um, having a private uh, ferry service to be run by a Turkish company. Um, I'm not privy to the details in general to be able to give um, an honest opinion um, on this um, thing. Is it a deal to that will also allow the ferry services to continue running on it, or is it going to be completely privatized as we've seen in the leaks that were shared um, by the media when I think the discussion was going on or the discussion was concluded at some level that um, it would be completely run by uh, this new private ferry service how many people would lose jobs um, would it be affordable for instance um, to most of the people who use the ferry services students um, public servants um, women traders men okay i know a lot of uh, women who sell in Banjul and Serekunda market who use the ferry services daily because they live in Yomi. They have to buy these agricultural um, produces um, from that from the North Bank or even from Senegal and then take it to the Banjul or the Birkama or Serekunda market. Uh, if it is run by a private uh, market, would they still be able to afford it without increasing the prices of their commodities okay now that's a very important point affordability is very much important but how much does this bring to the gambia government because we know the ferry services contributes a lot of revenue and how much goes outside of the country that is also important it's not enough to say that this um, private company would employ gambians but at what level what we've seen is top management uh, being managed uh, mostly by foreigners, we've seen that, and just Gambians taking uh, low-ranking um, jobs, even whereas they are able to do um, the job at a senior level, but that does not happen. So how many money is going outside? So I think these are all factors that would help us to, to do um, a fair, passive, fair judgment. But as a user of the ferry service, I think um, I really expect a better service, and I hope that this service would be affordable since this it seems as this is already done and there is no turning back i hope that uh, people who are working earning their living would not lose their job if they are still doing their job the right way and i hope that Gambians who use that um, system if the new system comes in place and is offering a better service i hope that it is still available um, affordable to to all of them um, i hope also that the works that would be done to ensure that um, the ferry, the new ferries that would be coming or the services that would be coming have better landing sites, for instance, would not negatively affect the environment. I hope our environmental bodies, the monitoring and evaluating bodies, would do their job um, properly. But in general, I think we expect 
or we want a better affordable service and if the private companies do it well we would be happy about that the energy sector was also talked about precisely now that there would be stability in the supply of electricity and he gave a timeline of a week and it has been over a week now has there been stability in the supply of electricity in the gambia right now well on now i think we've been told so many times that now the problem of the electric electric supply would be solved but we've not seen that we are still waiting on this synchronization that the president talked about he said that there is enough capacity to meet the demand but uh, honestly just today i think electricity went off for more than 10 times between nine o'clock nine o'clock to um four o'clock and this is in a business district uh, if i may use that um, <laughs> description in in Kololi, i've seen uh, this happen so we've we've got to resort to um, generators just to get that supply so it has not happened and it is more than two weeks since the president said that um, this would ha- uh, the synchronization of the systems from car power the omvg and navig itself would happen within two weeks but that has not happened is it another failed promise as usual from navig are the navig managers and directors just lying to the president just like they've been doing to the public for so long i think um, it would be good if this is addressed because how many people have lost their lives because of lack of electricity? How many businesses in this country have failed? How many people um, have lost their electronics, even fire disasters? So many times people attribute and say that, well, the, disaster, the fire, fire outbreaks are a result of this um, now switching on and off the electricity. We've seen that happen a lot, okay? Um, beyond that also, how many investors have um, really run away or were scared from this country because of the erratic electricity supply. You cannot have um, efficient businesses without a stable electricity supply. Well, as we are discussing, you maybe um, you are not noticing this, but I just lost electricity. So I should say that, um, and now that I am back home, I don't know how long this would take because I don't have a standby generator or um, solar to, to, to use. So, <laughs> Yeah, from the time that I came home um, to now, I came home, I think, after five. So this is the second time that electricity has gone within the span of two hours. Uh, At work, between eight to five, well, I said ten times. So you can imagine what's happening with the electricity supply. I hope our uh, public accounts committee, the National Assembly, can help us to ensure that NAVIC delivers um, as, as, as expected. Let there be a performance contract that ensures that NAVIC would deliver electricity to everyone connected to the electricity grid for a number of hours. Would it be 20 hours, 21 hours? And we can have this within, let's say, I don't know, one year and we move gradually to 22 hours, 23 hours in the third year 24 hours in the in the fifth year things like that okay but let's have a performance contract that NAVIC would be mandated to deliver and if they fail to 
Well, we even take them to the court. So the director is sacked or disciplined, or he's charged for some some economic crimes, etc. We must be serious with Nalek to make sure that um, they deliver. Because I think um, we've been compromising for so long, and Nalek has not been able to deliver. We cannot use the old means of delivering and expect that delivery would be done as expected in the 21st century and in this new um, so-called dispensation. So tough actions required to ensure that Nalek um, delivers. Another very important sector that was talked about was the civil service, um, on which he emphasized the need for people to change their attitude towards work, that the too many social activities need to end and he went on mentioning uh, instances where civil servants would choose not to go to work because they were to attend certain social activities. Do you agree with the president that our attitude towards work need to change, that there, there have been so many indiscipline in the civil service? I think we've agreed on this, that generally the Gambian indiscipline and also, our public service is one that is indisciplined. So I definitely want to applaud the president for coming out to say that um, discipline will be enforced and there would be disciplinary measures and there would be monitoring officers going around to ensure that public servants are in office. I think this is very much important. I must say that generally uh, the Gambian is indisciplined. The teacher would blame the student for being indisciplined, but the teacher also is indisciplined. When, what time does the teacher comes to class? Um, does he adhere to the lesson plan? Does he deliver lessons according to the lesson plan? Um, is he teaching according to the curriculum, um, to the principal of the school? Is he adhering to the rules and regulations, to the mistress of the school is she adhering to the regulations of the school and ensuring that um, her staff abide by this okay so we can look at these disciplinary um, issues from the lower level um, to the higher level teachers would complain our students now are not disciplined but how disciplined are teachers okay you go to the ministry they have monitors in the regions are they monitoring the teachers are teachers they, we can say the same thing about the health sector also we've had cases where health practitioners um, said they were on break or going on break and because of that they could not attend to patients. We have seen NAVEC, instead of ensuring that there is electricity, took electricity off, and because of that, patients um, died, okay? These are all um, in, as a result of indiscipline, okay? Uh, we've seen hospitals where electricity went off, standby generators were supposed to be turned on, but those with the key or the individual with the key was not there. A life was lost. We've heard of these cases. Policemen um, taking bribes on the roads openly. Everyone is seeing them in discipline, okay, in the police force. You go to departments or to ministries, you just need a signature and a stamp, and the person in charge of the stamp or the person who's supposed to sign is not there. So something that was supposed to take you a day uh, ended up, excuse me, something that was supposed to take place in a day and that would end up going in for 
a whole month, for instance. These are all as a result of indiscipline. Um, people asking for kickbacks, uh, people being bribed simply because we are not disciplined, we are not following the rules and regulations, the general orders governing the conduct, what should be the conduct um, of our civil um, servants. Therefore, it's very much important to have that. But just as a suggestion, I think it's not enough to say that monitors will be going around to check. No. Um, how many monitors do we need to employ to go around and check on all these public servants and by extension disabled servants? We do not have that enough number to do it at one time and at the same time for all and to ensure that discipline. I think we need to, Malang, my good brother and friend, um, Hojam, would agree with me that we need to move in towards governance, um, e-governance, to ensure that this problem, the problem of indiscipline is um, solved. For instance, instead of having people to sign on papers, whereby even those who come at work late at 9 o'clock would sign that they are at work at 8.20. You go to work and you see 15, 20 people signing um, 8.15, that they all came on this at the same time, 8.15, because no one wants to be late, but we know that it's not true. They came at 9 or after 9, and you see people leaving at 3 o'clock, but they sign that they are leaving at 4.30, but they are lying. They are not leaving at that time. Okay, But if you have a digital, uh, digital sign-in where people just come and use their thumbprint just to sign in with your thumbprint, you press and it is recorded. The time is automatically recorded. Um, we put in a good um, security system for that so that no one can alter it. Then it becomes easier. We know what time everyone is coming and leaving. And the president can even monitor that from his office. Um, the secretary general can monitor that from his office. But beyond that, because people can come and yes, sign in at 8, um, 8 o'clock or even 7 o'clock, but after that they go out and roam the whole of manual, go to the market, etc. Okay, or go to just like he said, social activities, etc. But what do we do? Let's have the security doors wherein everyone has to budge in and budge out so that even when you are going out to the shop, you budge out. No security would give you their card because they know that if they give you there is a repercussion. We would know how many times the security used that. He, security um, officer used that. He has to explain. So you go out, you budge in, you coming in, you budge out, you budge in again. That's the only way you can access your office, for instance. You can leave your office. The door shuts automatically, okay? Once someone is out, it's such, um, so, I mean, these things are, are not expensive compared to what we are losing because people are not staying on their job, because people are not doing their job. But beyond this also, let's ensure that there is performance um, contract, activity um, activity um, contracts for, 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 for our public servants, okay? This is what you are supposed to do at the week, so that at the end of the week, you submit your report. At the end of the month, you submit your report. Digitally, everything. We know that, yes, you fulfill your responsibility or not. I think there are more efficient or effective uh, measures, um, digital systems that we can use to ensure that public servants stay in their office, do their job based on contracts and based on their GDs, etc. And we should be exploiting that. From talking about the indiscipline in the civil service and the need for attitudinal change, we saw the president shifting his focus on his critics, and in particular Mari Jabate. And he has branded Mari Jobati as being someone who is ready to set the country on fire and that his government would not sit uh, and tolerate such thing to happen. Um, what do you think about the president's comment? And was the president even right in mentioning Mahdi? Well, let me say this, President Rudefante, and I think this is the second time that we are seeing the president go against an individual um, first, it was 
Dr. Sisi before he went into politics. Uh, and then it's Mahdi. We don't know tomorrow who it would be. The president has no business responding to comments that are made by private citizens. If he should respect, we expect him to, res- uh, to respond with respect, but not to castigate citizens or call them public enemies or people who are interested on setting the country on fire. Um, uh, governance experts would tell you that the input that citizens have in the public policy process is the opinions that they publicly share. So if citizens are not able to share their opinions or views publicly, then they are not having any input in the public policy process. And therefore, we must applaud citizens who are bold enough to share their opinions in a conservative society, but in a society that do not hold their governments accountable, or in a society where people are very much reserved regarding their opinions with the governance structure. So the government should be happy, or better in passing, should be happy that Mari comes out and shares his views publicly uh, on the governance um, structure or system, uh, delivery of services, etc. I, I think Baru should have applauded him for that. Even if, even if Mari were part of those, or one of those who have extreme views uh, on, on, on society or on governance, Baru should be happy that an extremist is um, expressing his views. Because what happens when people cannot express their views? They hide. Huh? That is what happens. And then the government doesn't know what the views of the people are. And I do hold the view and the opinion that Mali's view, Mali's views, um, yeah, we, 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 we disagree on certain things, but Mali's views generally are not extreme. It's just holding the duty bearer accountable, and that is what we are expected to do as a people. We may disagree on the interpretation of certain legislations, etc., here and there, but generally he is holding government accountable. He is telling the government, especially his recent comments on the allocation of land to ministries. I think that is the last comment he made before the president um, responded with this uh, view that Mahdi um, is a troublemaker. Mahdi is no troublemaker. Um, his views, we may not be happy with what the views he share, but he is not a troublemaker. He is just sharing his opinion. That's a constitutional mandate. That's a constitutional um, right that everyone has a right to opinion. But in addition to that, everyone has a right to express their opinion. And the media is also recognized as a body that um, has the responsibility under the constitution um, to share differing opinions, but also to serve as a platform for opinions, to hold government accountable, for example. In fact, the public broadcaster, GRS, should be giving Mari the opportunity to express his, his views. That is what GRS should be doing. So since GRS is not doing it and other radio stations and platforms are doing it, uh, by extension, Baro should not lambast them for giving um, Mari the opportunity or the platform to express his views or opinion. Um, they should be applauded for doing that because the public broadcaster has failed to uphold that responsibility assigned to it um, by the um, laws of the land. Okay, so Baru should not have mentioned that and whosoever is advising Baru to 
go hard on Mari should desist. Um, if Baru wants to leave a legacy, he should not start seeing critics as enemies. That is the dispensation we had in the past. That is what that is how Baru came into office. How can he forget that? The very thing that brought him to office, he wants to dismantle that. The very people who advocated for him to come into office, he wants to get rid of them. He cannot take that part. And I hope that especially the newcomers who are seen as pacifists, people who bring people together, who advocate for peace, etc., for a soft government and position, I hope they prevail on Barrow to ensure that doesn't happen. I hope the new vice president prevails on Barrow to make sure that he does not um, go against critics like Madi Chabade because they are not um, doing anything but helping the government to do better. Finally, finally, let me hear your thoughts uh, on the new cabinet. The new cabinet has been sworn in and, and reactions to a large extent have been so positive. Yes, there are some surprise picks. Uh, and the biggest was leaving out Mambur Jai, former Minister of Finance, and appointing Badarajuf as uh, the new vice president. And... Also, the disappointing aspect of the new cabinet is its gender composition. I mean, the poor representation of women in this cabinet um, was the disappointing uh, aspect. And people have been really, really voicing out their concern and, and their disappointment. Uh, because this has been um, the poorest in terms of gender composition uh, so far in the past 24 years i can say so uh, it's 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 a concern that uh, most uh, gender activists have have raised and they have expressed their disappointment and also i would want to have you take on the newcomers um, the likes of mr lamin queen jambe from being the national people's party the president's party spokesperson uh, promoted now as the Minister of Information and Dr. Dembasabali as the Agriculture Minister. Dembasabali was also uh, from the from the President's NPP, National People's Party, so that was the some some lift. Well on the new cabinet let me just say this. I think to some extent we've seen some new cabinet members and let's just hope that they deliver up to the citizens um the citizens expectations and prof gomez has been at the utg for most of his career and that is a plus for him he's been interacting with higher education policy for some time um he's worked with a good number of the ministers and uh, higher education and I hope that is a plus that he can utilize to instill or spearhead the needed change in the sector. He's been talking about a lot of the problems in the sector. And hopefully now that it is time for him to help in addressing those troubles or challenges, he would do better on them. Um, let's see how that works. Um, well, the big surprise, as for everyone, has been the new VP, the vice president. I don't think any of us would have predicted that Petrajuf would become the new VP. But now that he's been appointed, I think what came to mind is that, well, he's not 
had that beef with the public compared to other ministers. For instance, like Hamad Ba also insulting, criticizing, castigating um, others. We've not seen him done that because whether that is because he's not been given a platform to do that or he's not been interacting or engaging the media a lot whether that's the reason or not um, i'm not sure but hopefully he is a pacifist who can really at least put dissenting groups or voices together he can help to see that we um, have um, the president um, respect the opposition and other camps. Uh, I hope that is one plus he he would be able to bring in. And as someone who has been who has served internationally, uh, has worked with international bodies, for instance, he has that international standing or image, and hopefully that is something, an advantage that can help him. As we know, traditionally, the vice president uh, represents the president in many forums and forums, international international summits, conventions, um, etc. So, because he's already known and that could help, he can also serve as a lobbyist for the government. So, I think those are pluses. And looking within the cabinet, I think he is someone who is respected also within the country by opposition figures as well. So probably he can help to be a bridge between the president and the opposition parties and other independent um, entities in the country. I only hope that he delivers to satisfaction. Yes, like Per as a newcomer, we've talked about his advantage being familiar with the situation. But just to add that, that sometimes familiarity can be a bias and a disadvantage. So I hope that Prof, despite coming from the high, from higher education, from the University of Regan, would listen to different voices, would also look at some of these other private institutions and address their plights and challenges. I hope that happens under his tenure. Well... Um, the biggest disappointment is that women have not been featured well, are not represented in the cabinet. That is not because they are not capable, of course. They are very much capable women um, in this country who, who are also supporters of the president. And I see no reason why he did not bring them. Hopefully the three or the two who are in um, or three who are in can help. Rahim Anjang is in. Um, Claudiana Cole is in. Um, hopefully they can help. Claudiana has been battling with um, strikes in the education sector with teachers. I hope that is something he she would address this time around, would address the plight of teachers and their challenges to ensure that those um, strikes um, from the teachers are gone, that students don't lose um, instruction time because of teachers are striking. Their plights must be addressed. Let's see how she performs on that. Um, for he, um, well, the Ministry of Environment, uh, the outgoing minister has been very much interactive, uh, interacting with um, activists and concern groups um, on the environment, even though we've lost a crucial part of our environment um, during his tenure. I hope that the new minister would continue that dialogue and interaction with environmental activists, etc., et to see that that is um, addressed. Well, some of the old cabinet members who've been brought on, Hamad is still in. We are not surprised that he is still in. Um, some of the other newcomers is a surprise to see Lamin Quinjam become a minister. Uh, let's hope that um, he will be open to the media at least to the extent that Silla was. Um, a lot more to say about the new cabinet, but let's say, yeah, some new um, people have been brought in. We've seen technicians. Well, but we've seen also 
all wines in, 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 in new bottles, uh, uh, for instance, in the Southlands. That brings us to the end of this episode. And many thanks to Mohammed Len for joining me. And to the listeners, we hope you enjoy our conversations. Please, you can subscribe and rate us on wherever you get your podcast from. You can also let us know what you think about our podcast. Until next time, do have a pleasant weekend. Bye-bye.